Is this your last semester? This is my second to last semester. Second I'll be graduating in December. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. What, what's, what are your plans afterwards? Um, We'll see. Uh, really, whatever I want, I guess. Um, still kind of figuring it out. Probably just, I, I'll be staying in Austin is my goal. Um, just continuing to do like freelance stuff, uh, mostly automotive stuff uh, and just video work. But yeah. Oh, right. You, you interned for Tesla, right? Yes. That, that, yeah. that ended recently? Yeah, that ended actually last week. Okay. How was that experience? I was really fun. Uh, well, it had its ups and downs. I was there for about a year. Um, I took the summer off for uh, the creator camp thing, but uh, it was a fun experience. I can't complain. I just did video and photo work there. Mm -hmm. um, new factory here in Texas. And I've kind of just documented the construction from when it was like just dirt to like now a fully fledged factory that they're opening up soon. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's actually really cool. Cause I heard about the gigafactory in this document. It was a Leo DiCaprio documentary about oh. from like five or six years ago. I don't know. It was 2016. So six years ago, you talked about creator camp. So I, I think, is that, is that a year into the making? I know you had run, done your first one last summer, right? Yeah, we're just past uh, Creator Camp. It first originated kind of uh, in January of 2021, mm -hmm. uh, like January 1st, actually, 2021, uh, when Kaisei, my friend Kaisei called with the idea. And then from there, we kind of just worked until the summer. A uh, Creator Camp pretty much is that. Uh, do you want me to explain what it is? Oh, or? yeah, go, go, for sure. Go yeah, uh, Creator Camp is pretty much a business I started uh, with three other friends where pretty much it's a summer camp. I aim to teach kids about filmmaking and animation and all things like media. And yeah, last summer we had our first, we had our first uh, sessions. We had about almost 200 kids over the summer through a few, like uh, five weeks. And yeah, right now we're planning for this next summer. Uh, also in Houston and Katie. So oh, yeah. Shout out. 200 kids. How'd you do that? The first I don't time. really know. <laughs> We just did a lot of advertising. Newspaper advertising was huge for us for whatever reason. And then we had a lot of kids who like would take the filmmaking class and then come back the next week and do the animation class. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it was a very fun time, though. Like, I didn't think I'd like enjoy working with kids so much, but like it was a blast. Yeah. I mean, you, again, I, first of all, the fact that you use a newspaper advertising, I know people still read newspapers we didn't either we put like all of our first advertising to like facebook and stuff and got nothing and then as soon as we switched to doing my newspaper like sales just shot up which surprised me like crazy but i'm assuming you taught filmmaking yeah right yeah, yeah. uh all four of us were teachers i um designed the filmmaking curriculum um and taught the filmmaking course uh we kind of all switched around like one week i teach filmmaking the next week i'd like be like the assistant teacher and be more chill about things um but yeah other than that just like i also was just like big in like contacting locations and trying to get that sorted it was all like advertising but yeah it was fun yeah. well how fulfilling was it for you that to like kind of give back to these kids who were just starting out because dude i, I i'm guessing if because you and i think we came to Katie around the same time i i, I got mm -hmm. there around 2007 i remember you got we there did. Two, we did. 2008 right Mm -hmm. it was around that time yeah and i'm pretty sure if we had something like that we would have jumped on it you know oh, we totally would that's like part of the reason why we made it it's like especially nowadays where kids are like way more exposed to like 
using their phones to make TikToks and stuff like that and just already getting like video creation. And so it's like, we give them a camp where they can just come away and make movies with other kids. I just think that's really valuable and kind of jumpstarts them in like thinking about filmmaking like that. Cause I didn't think about filmmaking as like a serious thing until like high school, really like, you know. Yeah, I love that because I'm all for trying to break that enigma that exists within mm. filmmaking, any, any creative field. Uh, and I love that, that y'all are doing that. Cause for me, it's, I think my, my mission right now is how do you enable creatives within the South Asian community? Because there's such mm -hmm. this, there's such a large enigma around creativity and creativity seen as such a abstract thing, which is true for sure. But at the same time, it's like without creativity, you can't really innovate or move forward in any facet of life it's like i want to show that there is room for creativity and mm. for creativity to succeed and be impactful because i remember when i was around 15 and i realized oh you know what i want to do something creative and i remember being from such a heavily i think populous indian community that was kd texas being mm -hmm. one of the very few brown people to say hey i want to do something creative and then yeah especially within my generation, strangely enough, to see the re negative reaction that that had first gotten. Um, I want to be able to be now that person say, hey, like there is room for, for stuff like this. And if you just give it a chance and realize what creativity actually can be, then, you know, we can move mountains if, if, if we can, if we can at least yeah. try. And what, what are you specifically teaching? Is it all facets of filmmaking or is it just specifically writing, directing? What, what are you doing with that camp? Uh, in our, for last summer, it was more oriented on um, getting them to like collaborate and get, get into like little teams and then go out and make their own little movies. We like did not give any guidelines for creativity. We kind of just let them run wild. Any idea they had that they wanted to make, we kind of just like supported that as long as it followed like a story that would make sense. Um, but yeah, in terms, it was mostly just teaching them uh, the platform of like, they, they pretty much, they brought in their own iPads and then film with those. And we taught them how to use an editing software on their iPads so that whenever they're done with the camp, they can go home and continue making films, um, which was like the goal there. Trying to like develop little friendships that they could have and then go home and like make movies with those people. Um, yeah, we taught them a little bit about film history. We're leaning way more into that this upcoming summer to really get them thinking about like, you know, instead of just going out and making films for fun, like why are they making the films? Like why are they getting the specific shot? you know, like, what does that translate to on screen? Yeah. And um, yeah, just getting them to think about that, I think is just the biggest thing. There's so many things that you said there. It's like learning how to collaborate first, right? I think yeah. filmmaking is one of the most collaborative experiences. Mm -hmm. It has to be. It's like, I, like from being here at UT and like working on like film sets here, the best film sets ever are the ones where it's more of like a small group of people all working together and everyone's like having a good time. If no one's having a good time on like a film set, I genuinely think the film will be worse. Like there's just something oh, about it. Like I agree. If everyone's having a good time and contributing, like, oh, it's great. There's something know. about that. Yeah. And I, I recently began feeling that with like my projects because whenever I was making film yeah. in high school, it did feel like a very one-sided thing. It did feel like I was carrying that shit on my shoulders and I didn't want to. I wanted everybody to feel good. 
but at the same time balancing high school egos and all of this stuff balance, yeah. balancing my own ego that was um pretty tough and it wasn't until i did superheroes i mean you were on the of uh, the set on day one mm -hmm. back in 2019 yeah yeah uh, geez. but it wasn't until i did that where i actually felt like that was not all me even though i was the one who wrote and directed that the mm -hmm. fact that I was claiming myself as writer and director, even though I was responsible for creating that. Yeah. Like, I like it when it doesn't feel like it's all you, you know, like, I agree. like people came together to make that thing. What it was like Alex who played thunder Dick. Um, mm -hmm. He, <laughs> he was such a phenomenal part of that movie. I mean, he, I remember just sitting down and him saying like, Hey, um, what if we said this one thing this way? And then I sat down with them and said, okay, but I don't want to, this is what I'm trying to say. And I don't want to lose that. So if you can adjust it, but we still say, we still get this part of what, yeah. I'm, what I want the audience to get, then I'm good for this line. And then sometimes, sometimes let's say, let's, let's do that. Let's not do that. I don't want to do that. That's too much right now. And that it's, it's, we're kind of leaning towards dry humor. I need to bring it back to yeah. seriousness, you know, like that type of environment. And the one I recently made, um, mm -hmm. I, I like usually it was just me and a bra pulling our hairs out and now it's everybody's just in it and it comes down to who you're surrounding yourself with right 100 mm -hmm. like, like how did you go ahead and now choose the team that you have to come together and make film um i like their company and we're friends that's yeah. really it um i think it's just about having really like friendly relations with people and if you get along and vibe and kind of like the same kind of things but you don't have to like all the same kind of things. It's like, I don't know, recently in film, I've been leaning way more into that process of like, not improv completely, but really like leaning off of like writing scenes and more of just like communicating with the actors on like who their character is and then just setting them free with that. And like seeing how they like, just have a normal conversation, you know? Like yeah. I've been giving way more like, when I film a scene now, it's less of like, there's written lines and more of like, I give a prompt to two people who are in character and then yeah. they kind of just bounce off that i've just been really in love with that like style of uh directing and filmmaking recently um and so yeah i feel like things like that like lend it um so much more collaboration between so many different heads and i think yeah. the mix you get from that is just great I, I love the fact that iron man was consistently written in rv because huh. yeah. and the reason that's the reason I love that film, mm. um, that first Iron Man is because it feels like John at that time, John Favreau came from an independent filmmaking background. And Iron Man feels like very much an independent film with mm -hmm. superhero with a superhero background. And that's a for the most part, with the exception of Chrissy and, and Niserga, I have we've kind of written the movie as we've gone which i guess to some sense some people can tell but at the same time it, i just love the experimental part of it um whenever an actor asks you for a specific direction do you think you are expected to know what exactly you want or are you also like you know what go out there experiment a little bit and we'll see what we get oh it's all it's like more that second one where it's like you kind of go back and forth like I, uh, last semester, I took a class that kind of just opened my eyes. It was called Directing Workshop. It was all about directing actors and filmmaking. And just, I realized I'd been doing it completely wrong. Like feeding actors lines and telling them exactly kind of what I want. It's way more like asking them, like, what do you feel comfortable with? Mm -hmm. Like, does this feel right to you saying this? Like, um, and so when they have questions, it's all kind of just like, 
it's more giving them like a verb or something like that that they can take and run with instead of giving them an exact like list of instructions. Usually when act actors asks, ask me, how do I say this line? What's my background? Like, what am I thinking here? And stuff like that. Um, I have to give them that direction. But part of me is also inclined to say, I don't, I don't know. Fuck it. Just let's let's try it. Let's see what we get out yeah. of it. If I don't like it, if we don't like it, if you're not comfortable with it, we'll, we'll try something else. Um, and I think there is definite value in that. You're doing a feature film, right? I heard about this through Ricky. How's that going? Uh, it's going good right now. Um, it's way less of like a constructed thing. It's way more. So the feature film we're working on right now, it's called Subletter. It's a mockumentary, um, pseudo mockumentary. It's kind of like, it's me and my my uh, two roommates here. Um, me, my roommate Parker, my roommate Sheldon. Uh, we kind of started this as a concept of what if there's this house with three very pretentious film like film bro rtf people mm -hmm. that are just like complete assholes and then they one of their roommates like moves out and they need a subletter and so an english major moves in and kind of they all like have to deal with interacting with each other in this like comedic sense and um we filmed it for our um documentary class last semester and our professor really liked it and he told us we should turn it into a feature and just keep going and so Pretty much it's like a multi-camera setup where we have like two cameras going and nothing is written at all. We tend to have like an objective of the scene, but it's just my two roommates are like comedians pretty much. Yeah. And so it's just them going back and forth endlessly. Um, and we kind of just, as they are in character, we get story elements from there and we just follow that. And so we're kind of just following their improv uh, until we hit like 70 minutes. Uh, and yeah. we'll pretty much just see where it goes. It's way less of a structured thing and way more just like, them living life but funny right yeah. isn't that how we used to make movies when we were kids though whenever we were given a camera it was just hey we'll just roll and we'll figure it out pretty much yeah you know <laughs> yeah what got you into filmmaking and storytelling and what what got you to this you know trajectory that you're on right now i i don't know the reason it's just always been a thing like ever since i was like eight or nine years old i started doing like lego stop motion little movies because like I, I discovered youtube around that time and i found like people making little lego movies i'm like i have to do that and so i kind of learned how to do that and i made a lot of those and i eventually fell out of it though and uh in like middle school and high school i was more along the lines of like i'm gonna be an architect because i like building things mm -hmm. um That's but so then weird. obviously i wanted to be I an met... architect also really yeah. I, it just sounds appealing i don't know yeah. <laughs> but then i met omar and like film club started to happen and I got re like reintegrated more in touch with that side of me again. And I don't know. I just haven't stopped since really. Uh, I don't know why. It's just, I kind of like just have to make movies. I'm just always thinking about it. I was telling one of my friends this yesterday at a party. I, I told him because he, he's getting into acting and. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I had said that if you, if you do this, cause you are, psychotic about it because you have to do it then this is what you need to do right like yeah. i'm for me professionally i'm pursuing product design and i love love that but at the same mm -hmm. time i have to make movies i got to a point where again especially with this recent one i told myself i think i can i i can be 30 40 years old it can get 50 views it can get 500 views it can hit a big yeah. screen 
I don't care, but I have to do this. Like at the end of the day, you're just making it for yourself. And I loved your most recent film, by the way. Oh, thank I you. really enjoyed it. I think it's the best one you've made. Thank you. Um, I'm waiting for your uh, what's it called again? It's the one with the with the Boy Scout. Lost and found. Lost and found. Okay, that trailer looked looked good. It was very just well crafted, and, and the and the cinematography was amazing. What are you shooting on again? Um, most of that film was shot. I got a I got a new camera just for that film. I shot it with the Canon R5. Mm. Okay, what made you take um, that that leap? Because that's that's a leap. I no, yeah, I took that leap uh, last uh, summer, right before we shot the film. Because I'm like, I just realized I'm like one day I'm going to get this camera. Like mm -hmm. one day I'm going to spend the money to get this camera. Why not do it sooner? Like, yeah, you know, uh, and I, we were making the film and I'm like, rather than like renting a camera and spending more money in like rentals and stuff, might as well get it now. Um, and it was familiar to me cause it's like Canon stuff. And I've just always shot with Canon. Um, and I feel like I t I'm like more unorthodox using like that camera to shoot a film instead of like using a cinema camera and like having a bigger camera crew but i don't know i kind of like just the more smaller setup but that camera is still incredible and like it's right. it's great i'm very excited for that film um hopefully we'll be out we'll hopefully have like a watch party or something around in like a month or something oh which i will invite you to please do <laughs> yes aren't but aren't you glad that you kind of shot with all the bare bone stuff first like i, I think there's some value to that like i for example our club you guys shot it with what one single camera and what was what what was the audio system was it a boom mic or um, the, it was in the camcorder we had no, no way the audio was literally from that camcorder the camcorder i still have and we're using that camcorder for subletter as well um as the b cam oh <laughs> my god dude that's awesome what what then in that case what benefit do you think there is and this is maybe for any aspiring filmmakers who are, I mean, we are definitely pretty young and we're in the game and we're still, yeah. you know, going through it. But like for people like us who started in high school um, or wanting to start even younger than that or the people at your camp, what advice would you give them about the equipment they should be using for film? Like, like for example, did, what benefit did you see in starting from scratch with just like bare material? Um, honestly, like in the beginning, it really doesn't matter what camera you're using. Um, the biggest thing is editing, I'd say, mm. like learning, like the fundamentals of like a shot over shot and then also just editing it. Um, the camera really doesn't matter. We shot our club with that camcorder. that's like a pretty mid camcorder mm -hmm. and had no audio. We just took it from the camcorder. Cause at the time I'm like, we don't need that. We're just going to go. And like, none of that you even acknowledge because the story in that film is like what carries it. And if the story is carrying it, that's. I feel like that's really cliche advice, but I don't know. I feel like the biggest thing, if you want to get good at filmmaking, just making films is the way to do it. The more films you make, the better you will get. Every time I make something or like turn the camera on and shoot something, I learn something. Oh yeah. Um, like, you know, film school is cool and it lets you meet people, but like the number one way I've learned how to do things is just by making things. Um, that's interesting because like, you are in film school. You are. Oh yeah, it's in... worthless. Like it's great for meeting people, um, but like it's kind of embarrassing the actual classes sometimes. Oh really? It depends. So, it's like I'm finally in the stage now where I'm meeting professors that are cool and like we're getting connected because I'm like at the end and I'm taking like the high level classes. Um, but 
in terms of like production, you're not going to learn anything mm. uh, really unless you join like an org and get on sets, but I don't know. Get your friends make films. Mm. I, I agree. I like the A24 mug, by the way. I just noticed it. Thank you. It's not even mine, but I'm like, ah, it's fitting. It, it, it is in, in, indeed indeed fitting. Um, How lucky do you think we were to find that type of community in high school? Because I can't think of any... I think we had briefly talked about it right before we had left um, we for college. But how lucky do you think we were to find that type of community? Unfathomably lucky, dude. I'm, I am so shocked and surprised. All of us were like in the same grade and all of us had this interest in filmmaking. I mean, some more than others, um, cause not everyone like there was an Arcadia is doing anything filmmaking related now. But the fact that we all like, I just find it insane. There were two groups having a rivalry, you know, Blue mm-hmm. Monkey and Arcadia, yeah. both with like media collectives with logos and t-shirts making films. Um, we were so lucky to have that and I don't know, it's just amazing. I, I give I give a lot of credit to Omar um for like sparking a bit of that. Um but like you as well. Y'all two were the the two head honchos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for I guess the people who don't know, I do you wanna tell them a little bit of what, what Arcadia is. It's still mm. going, right? Uh Arcadia's kinda just creator camp right now. Okay, dope. Yeah. I'd say the Arcadia as a uh, filmmaking collective, people making films and art together, uh, that's kind of on hold. It's kind of just now like me, the, the members of a certain creator camp are me, Robbie, Kaisen, Jackie. And it's kind of just us four doing like the creator camp stuff now. But uh, I don't think Arcadia is a thing is like ever going away. I want to try and reignite that sometime mm-hmm. in the future. But yeah, I am... Um, I was actually going to tell you, we can talk about it after the podcast. Uh, but right now I'm in a, um, an indie screenwriting feature class Okay. where over the class we have to write an entire like 60 to 90 page script yeah. um, of like an indie feature. And my script is pretty much all about high school and the Arcadia versus Blue Monkey. Oh, oh, thing. oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it all is pretty much taking place leading up to the first Palladium Film Fest, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. Maybe oh, yeah. just get insight on that and like get some of your perspective. Oh um, yeah, I would. I'm full disclosure. Also, like I think something I really love to do is write, and I do mm-hmm. plan on because again, it just comes down to the luck of me having that type of community and realizing. I think for me, the starting point is 2015, the past seven years and mm-hmm. conclusions coming up where I'm about to head out of state and move out for a little bit. And the past, yeah, past seven years creatively have been f- fulfilling and also rare. And I think I'm in a rare space to tell people that, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty young, but you can start whenever you want and you can go in as hard as you want with it. And I do yeah. plan on, to some degree, also writing about that period of my life because um, yeah. with that, as much as it was or seen as a, a, a rivalry, I think it was still it's just rare. I think so rare. you, me, and Omar, just, we had somewhat, I think you and I had taken credit for it a little bit, but it, to some extent, like to, ha- to have that community, I don't know if that community exists anymore, um, but to really enable that. And of course, 
not giving I think we don't give enough credit or I don't give enough credit to uh the man himself Kolkman right like yes Kolkman yeah. man he cultivated this it's insane yeah. Yeah, as as much like and as much as like we or I may have had my disagreements about how certain things were ran within that high school, um, yeah, uh, on campus show that we did. Which looking back, you know, <laughs> enough said. But um, I think the fact that there were people to cultivate that type of environment was was insane and, and incredibly important. But yeah, I, I'd love to hear about your your film. Yeah. about that, that rivalry oh one sec uh i think some people are touring our, so our house is being like toured constantly now because we're not staying here i oh. think they might be in my room in a bit oh never mind they're leaving they didn't oh. come in okay i guess they didn't like it how, how do you like your new house by the way it's fine um i really enjoy being in a house uh the biggest pro driveway insane like a driveway i don't have to use an elevator the groceries you just walk them in the door oh insane our location's also great um cons i'm rooming with another person so i don't have my own room uh the house itself is just not in good condition like when you, it you rains it about this. yeah yeah um yeah. and there's like just like very little natural light uh there's just like buildings around us mm -hmm. uh so it's very dark most of the time uh otherwise it's fine <laughs> okay you came to ut austin your sophomore year i, I, I distinctly remember this because i think yes. you had come to my first kickback I hosted that year. Yes. Right. And before before UT Austin, you were at UT Tyler. Now, not much is known about the UT Tyler experience of Kasdan, but how how was that year? I'm curious to know. Uh, I actually look back on that year very fondly. When I first got capped, I was like disappointed, but also like, okay, there's a way I can get to UT. There's mm -hmm. a way I can get to the film program there because that was always my end goal. Um, and so when I first got to UT Tyler, I knew no one. The town is tiny. The campus is so small. Um, you can walk around it in like three minutes. Um, but it was a very nice little transition from high school to actually like being in college because it was this little bubble and um, of a very just small place. I became friends with two girls who were my neighbors um, and we did a lot of things together and yeah, from that was the big era too when we were really trying to get the Arcadia YouTube channel going off. Mm -hmm. So like every weekend I would come back to Katie and we film stuff and then I go back to Tyler. Um, which I don't know how I did that. It was like a three and a half hour drive both ways, but it was fun. Um but yeah, uh that's really all there is to Tyler and not much else really happened there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then I came to UT and things happened. Things happened. How was, um, uh, how did you get accustomed to UT Austin? How did you find your crowd within UT? Um, I, like one of like the first or second weeks I was here, I was walking um, down like West Mall or something and I saw a little booth and it just said like cinematic arts on it. And I'm like, oh, is this like another film club? And mm -hmm. so I go up and I join, it's this organization called Delta Kappa Alpha. It's pretty much just like a film society. I, I've I've um, participated in a movie with them before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So this was when you were. Oh, you were. You 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 have. Yeah. This is when you were called? when you were rushing. Uh, I forget mm -hmm. what it was called. It was. Um, Robert Tejada was directing. I don't know if you remember. Right. Yeah. I remember. I, okay. I I haven't seen the product, but I'll, I'll tell you more I about. I haven't either. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you more about that. But yeah, no. Please, please continue. 
Um, I, I joined the, the the society the first semester was like rushing and that really like it was like a lot of work rushing but it was like the most fun thing ever like we had to do like a 24-hour short film our first like night we were inducted and stuff like that right um and like it started at like 9 p.m so like the entire night we were just filming but it's really how I met uh my girlfriend and like my friends I'm living with right now and so net positive experience overall um it's also just helping meet a ton of people here that are like really talented and good at what they do in filmmaking mm-hmm. um and have been on like a lot of like more professional sets um but yeah from there i've yeah from that after that happened zoom university happened for like two years and now we've been spit back out in person and i'm like oh okay it's almost over yeah what was what was Zoom University for you? Like, how was that experience? You were back in Katy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were still making movies during that time. Yes, yeah, no, I was. That was when I made Past Tense, the last big film I made with my brother. That's um, the one with the where, where you have the cloak on, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. the one with the ghost leading the guy to his afterlife. Yeah, real pretentious stuff, but I loved it. You know, I love. Um, you know, I love that too. Oh, I know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna tell you also like. I realize now looking back on it, a lot of your films in high school at the time I was like, this is so pretentious. But now I've like become way more like into cinema and stuff and, and more just pretentious, I'd say. And I'm looking <laughs> back on like, oh, wow. OK, he was on to something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank thank you. Um, I think I, I, I a little bit went too far with 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 the whole Kubrick-esque type. Yeah, I, fair. Which a lot of people, um, I think, at some time do but yeah when i made a movie with that frat um i'm trying to think yeah so robert asked me do you want to go ahead and help me be like be an ad on this and Mm. at at that time all i had made was chrissy the almighty's painting and then the Project Cuban and PTA, which I now characterize as like the, the gas gas leak films, um, were not the gas leak film. That's mean to gas anybody who films. came to make make that, but that was my training ground. You know, those first two years, and I think every film is a training ground. But that's really all I had. So when he asked me to AD, I asked him why, and he said, "Well, it seems like you have a distinct passion for film. You know what you're doing. Do you want to come and help me out? Because this is my first time directing this." And I said, oh, really? yeah, I said, sure. And I think a month before I had read the script and I had given given my, my notes on it. And I remember getting there and that being my first set, like legit set experience, because they had a yeah. day dedicated to decorating the room. They had yeah. a, a, a dolly. They had the whole <clears throat> light set up in the backyard lavaliers all, all types of mic mic equipment that i had couldn't even afford and, and i was just taken back like yo are you sure you want me to help you on this thing i didn't say that but i was way in over my head and of course he will come to me for help and direction and then they do some insert shots that would take about 30 minutes and i was scratching my head of like yo this is just a shot of a bunny why are we taking 30 minutes to 45 minutes on this just shoot the goddamn thing and move on but i thought okay maybe that's just part of the process was this transmissions it had uh a woman as a lead and was she like going crazy and there was a bunny yes oh oh yeah i've seen it 
I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. I can I, send you a link. Please do. I've, I I was on set two years ago. All, no, two and a half years ago. Never saw it. So yeah. I, I Did was, you get to the part where she like stabs her eye? I think that was day two. Yeah. Okay. There were two days. I, yeah. I could only make day one. And uh, they had to sign contracts and everything. And that was weird. That was so weird. Because at that point, I was, yeah. I, was just, I was just used to a camera, a shotgun mic, and action. That's That's it. Was that your first experience with that type of stuff too? Oh, 100%. And I at first rejected it. I'm like, guys, we're just taking way too long. There's too many people. It's all overcomplicated. Um, and in a way, I still think that. And I still mm-hmm. think a lot of professional student sets are not pointless, but they're like overdoing it. I think like, so too. Yeah. Um, and like where they try and act professional and it's like, there's like a hierarchy of who's important and stuff. I don't really believe in that. Um, I think it's like good experience though, because that's how like if you if, if your plan is to go to Hollywood and make movies, right? Incredible experience to do that. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much my first experience too. Where it's like, oh my god, there's so many moving parts. Everyone's here. There's so much stuff, and I had to learn like all the names of things. Yeah. What did like, you What did you take from that, and how did you apply it to your own filmmaking? Um. Let's see. I kind of just have deduced what positions are really important. And I'm like, if I'm doing a set, I want those people on it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and kind of the lost and found film, uh, all of the Boy Scout stuff was pretty much uh, me and my girlfriend. We both co-directed it uh, out in the woods filming our Boy Scout. And it was literally just us. She has a podcast, by the way, right? She has a podcast. I, yeah. I, I listened to an episode. Actually, really, hey! I, I, I enjoyed it because it was just it felt like people my age talking about movies on on a couch and I, that's I pretty much it. what that's literally there yeah. on a couch that's i don't know if she knows who i am but tell her that i'm a i'm a fan she does oh okay i've never met her in my life <laughs> dude my own my own roommate has met her but i've never met her really raheem yeah he was at one of your parties and ricky invited me and i'm like yo i'm in katie right now oh yeah. right okay yeah yeah but yeah shout out shout out to the untitled Untitled Emma and Diego Project, okay. which they're renaming um, to the Mankheads podcast. Okay, I liked Untitled. It was it it was creative in its own way because it reminded it was. you. Yeah, you know why? Like the Untitled Martin Scorsese project. I liked it. Yeah. No, exactly. That's what they're going for. But they're just like, man, it's so long. <laughs> I thought it was. Tell them I thought it was catchy. I thought it was. I will. I'll let smart. them know. I'll let them know that. I don't think yeah. they've heard that opinion yet. Lost and Found, all the 1920s stuff was we had like a way bigger set and like 15 to 20 people on set when we were doing that, just because it's like we pretty much constructed our apartment to look like a 1920s like home. And so we went like we spent like a week on just like production design and like getting like furniture and things like that. And on set, we had like we had a guy whose name is Zeming, super cool. Um, He did like all like the gaffing and lighting and we had like a system of like iPads that were all like hooked up to like a transmitter on the camera. And like, so everyone could see what the shot was looking oh, like. Wow, yeah. It was like the most fun I've had ever. So I did really enjoy having a big set uh, like that um, for that time. Of course, a lot of it was still unprofessional and wasn't like all mapped out. Cause like on most sets now they have like a strict schedule for like, all right, on shot two B, we're gonna spend this much time, and then we're gonna move on to this shot, uh, yeah. and then blah blah blah. We didn't yeah. have any of that. You give me but flashbacks. But I had a storyboard to... I drew. I was just like, uh huh, yeah, we'll do this next. But yeah, I, I mean, I think you can apply that even with the big budget stuff because someone yeah. like 
Ryan Johnson, whenever he was making, I seen the documentary when he's making The Last Jedi, and he said, a lot of the problems you have with a $250 million film are the same problems you have with a low-budget film or a no-budget film. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. which, in the end of the day, they still have better equipment. Um, of course. Of course, right? But the, the, the time, the budgeting, the all of that, that stress dealing with egos and actors, which is why I've really chosen to just cast my friends from this point on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you were talking about the hierarchy that exists within film sets. Um, and I was listening to this podcast. It was a Howard, it was not a podcast. It was a Howard Stern, um, show and Kristen Stewart was on it. She was talking about trying to get rid of that dynamic that exists on film sets or everything. There's a hierarchy, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm sure like if you do want to work you know, professionally, you're given like big budgets and, and the bigger the budget you're given, you still want to persist the values you have from the lessons you've learned now, right? Um, so are there any things that you, or anything, any anything, yes. Is there anything you see right now in the film industry, in the mainstream film industry, that you think, okay, maybe that's something we could change a little bit. And how would you, I guess, say you you would approach it if there is anything, of course. Um, yeah, I, I'd say, I guess, just my biggest thing is I'm going to stay in Austin because I don't believe in going to Hollywood and working as like a PA for 17 years before yeah. I then become like something else. And then like a few other years before I become anything. Um, I feel like there's that system in place and just... I don't know. It seems like toxic almost like the Hollywood, like filmmaking structure. Um, and I don't know. I feel like you, you lose a lot of the art in filmmaking by going down that route. Like, obviously it's like a money-making machine too. Um, and that's always the end of the day, the goal, but, but I don't know. I feel like with making films, I'd rather stay here, make films with a smaller group of like friends and then like take it to festivals from there um just to make it more personal and genuine because the end of the day right now at least my goal is to just make personal and genuine films yeah Um, that's all we know in the end of the day i feel like i think there's mm. i I recently saw saw tick tick boom and there was a line Mm. where um the agent says on the next one write about what you know and i fucking Mm -hmm. love that Uh, yeah but you had mentioned staying in austin and the last time i talked to you you had said austin is where it's happening and creatively, I just think Houston and Austin is on something else now. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's just our bubble or do you genuinely think like creativity is really coming into these two cities? I, I mean, like hands down, you can't, you can't argue with like Austin right now is like one of the most popular places in America. It's mm-hmm. growing faster than any other city. And like all the tech giants are coming here, which could be good, could be bad. Not yeah. where I saw it headed. I thought more of the creative scene would come here, but like. Right you know, like working at Tesla, I'm like, I kind of see where things are headed. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think the film scene here and in Houston even too, obviously we're biased. We come from Houston, we're in Austin now. So we're going to think this, but I do legitimately think like the creative scenes in both these cities is like really increasing and going up right now. And yeah, I want to stay here and see what happens, I guess. Try and lead that. Like I'm here now. I've been here since before it was really blowing up and now it's starting to. So there's always people who are like, oh, it's always been blowing up or like, oh, Austin isn't what it was. But 
the I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I think creatively Austin is becoming a large creative scene and I was I was talking to one of my friends whose sister is a costume designer on a Netflix show. It's a pretty popular oh, Netflix show. Sick. I don't know what it's called, but uh she's right now living in LA and I asked him said like if your sister has any advice like for example if I want to move out to LA because I've heard a lot of negative things now about LA as beautiful as that city is it's just yeah. it's you no know, overcrowded and you, you know we've, we've heard it all at this point but yeah. I asked him well what, what is each scene for and he said well LA is a scene for uh, Hollywood filmmaking you want to make it big in Hollywood make those big budget films that's LA if you were trying to go into more theater arts work that's new york city if york, you want to go into independent filmmaking that's austin and i i i, I love that because and I, I wish i could i could stay here but i can't because i didn't apply to any schools in in, <laughs> in texas because ut's program didn't specifically interest me shout out to ut love ut but uh, hook them. <laughs> I, I, I had to, you know, politically correct myself but just now. So I didn't get canceled by the UT community. But uh, so I'm kind of excited to get out of Texas because, again, I've been living here for 15 years at this point. I do want to see yeah. a little bit of what's out there in our own country. I, I moved around a lot before that, but I want to see what, what, what else is out there. But I always had an intent, and we'll see maybe how I'm feeling down the road of coming back to Austin because, like you said, I think we've been – in rare scenarios where we've been able to lead things that are just starting and there's nothing like that. For mm -hmm. example, like the, the film brats, Scorsese, Coppola, all of them. Um, I do think as genius as they are, they would have a more difficult time now because it's oh, such yeah. a oversaturated market. Mm -hmm. And for example, getting a film, hitting a film big at a, at a film festival that, like a couple of years ago, that was, oh, you get people to sign a contract, you get to sign a contract, right? You're put into a film academy, and now mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're Paul Tam Thomas Anderson, because that, that's what happened with him. He made a short yeah. at Sundance, and they wanted to long form it. And I just think it's a lot harder now. Do you see the similar problem with all of that? Oh, yeah, it's definitely more oversaturated now. And recently, uh, the way I've been hearing a lot is like, of like kind of what I'm like aiming for now. Um, well, there's two ways. The one way is the more traditional way, which I still think happens sometimes. One of my favorite directors and like a story I really like is David Lowry. Mm. Um, his film, A Ghost Story, he made in Austin for... He made that in, he made that in Austin? All filmed in Austin. It was He made it for like 10,000 bucks or something. And, or no, no, no. Actually, the budget was close to like 100,000 or something. But he made it pretty much with just his friends. Um, yeah. And he made it here in Austin in a house that was going to be demolished. So like they got to use it for free. And after that, it went to Sundance. It was the 17th film he submitted to Sundance. And it was the first one that got in. A24 signed it. And, you know, it had its wide release. Um, and I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. You know, I, I would love to yeah. do something like that. The other way is just like a lot of um, a lot of shows right now, especially ones on like HBO started, like new shows at least, started as web series um uh like uh what's the one called i think it's one called like high maintenance mm -hmm. it was called, started as a web series i know uh it's always sunny started as a web series originally too really I, oh wow okay I know or, like they were filming it with just like the shittiest cameras mm -hmm. but then like it got picked up they turned into a full first season um 
And so I definitely see a route there because I think TV's like blowing up right now. Or not like TV, but more like streaming services, streaming services like right. series. Like those are the two ways I see. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, same thing. I was, I was talking to another one of my friends and uh, I keep on saying one of my friends. These are all people you know. <laughs> I was talking, <laughs> I don't know if you remember who Rohit Vaidula was, but uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I was talking to him and I was, talking about this film I was thinking of doing and I was budgeting it and the budget was in the thousands because now it's a matter of I think I have the basics down and it's about taking that leap taking that step I talked to you about that camera and as much as I think the D5600 can do the job I also think having investing money into a camera that's about $2,2500 with a damn good lens gonna yeah. do a, a better job and i think i'm at that level where i can take that type of leap uh yeah. but i'm yeah. oh, sorry what were we gonna say i was gonna say have you ever thought about fundraising because I, I have i I've, I've thought about it uh y'all had a go fund me for lost and found right we did yeah. we did uh it, like i had never thought about fundraising when i first got to college and high school um but like once i got here the the, the fraternity i'm a part of with filmmaking every film we make they fundraise like mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh i kind of get it now at first i was like oh i don't know like i deserve like the people's money exactly what I'm like you have that like mindset because like it's a film it's not like it's going to somewhere like helpful but like mm -hmm. still i don't know i think there's value in it and like people want to see the films you make and they want to see you like succeed in that and uh i don't i don't think there's any problem in fundraising for a film now because of that and because because of that we got it made you know we're about to send out our uh like tiers of rewards to people who donated like posters and like letters oh, and things dope. like that yeah like that's fun but um so yeah I, I i suggest if you're thinking about making a new film that's like in the thousands yeah, yeah. i'd fundraise i'm trying to make that leap of just making a feature now and that's that's a that's oh, yeah hi. because the almighty's painting like we labeled it a feature but i want to make one where we just have all the equipment we need and that's the first thing abrar told me about nasargo he was he told me he said that we're old enough to now be able to make what you envision um in terms of mm. what i envision and he said if you want something and he was he was the production manager on that and he said if you want something i will find a way to make sure it happens and i will find the thing that you need um and that we're, we're i think at that level now because we're no longer kids you no longer have to tell our parents like hey going to make a movie and they're worried about you because you're god knows where um yeah but yeah i'm i'm really excited for you and and what 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 you're you're working on what you're currently doing so your yeah. plan you said is to do freelance and then also go ahead and make make your make your movie right so what's this is like down the road so i'm gonna put I, hopefully i don't put you through an existential crisis but what's the first step kazan graduates what's what's he doing uh i'll be prioritizing and like increasing the amount of like freelance stuff I do to just like myself. Um, I, I film a lot of uh, car commercials for like local car dealerships and I'll just pretty much be expanding that as far as I can. Um, reaching out to everyone I've ever done work for and trying to like expand those connections and meet new people. I do a ton, a shit ton of like freelance editing work too mm -hmm. for people. And I'll just be expanding that as well. Um, just cause if I really like prioritize that and just work my ass off, I can like 
it, it just depends on like how much I'm willing to work is will be how much money I can make from that. Yeah. Um, which I really I enjoy. I enjoy having something where it's like that's the relationship. Um, and so doing that, I don't think my movies will make me money, uh, at least for like a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be working to put my, the money I make into movies as well as like real estate and stuff. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, from there, I guess I'll see where I go. I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm also just big into travel. So I'll probably yeah. just be wanting to travel everywhere. Your, your recent uh, vlog was beautiful, by the way. I saw that. I, I, oh, I saw, the road trip one. I saw yeah. it this morning. That was that was what was. I have a one, I have a question. Was it? It seemed like it was a little inspired by Wes Anderson. Is that a? It had like a Wes Anderson vibe. Everything I do definitely has a bit of like, from the people I love, and Wes Anderson's one of those people. So definitely, like there are things in that that are Wes Anderson. Definitely. Right. right. <laughs> what, what, what were some of your early influences? Ooh, early influences. I was like so into like in high school. Big into like Edgar Wright and Christopher Nolan, um, which I'm not really, I don't take into them that much anymore. Maybe a few whip pants here and there from Edgar Wright. But um, now it's um, my big influences right now, at least in filmmaking, I'd say, are more of like the mumblecore directors. Like, a, um, have you ever seen, have you seen any mumblecore films like Funny Haha or Hump Day or? I saw Funny Ha on your letterbox, but I haven't, I've not seen it, no. Okay, I'd recommend. They're films where it's kind of just like a slice in the life mm-hmm. and it's just like the dialogue is super realistic with like tons of like pausing. And I don't like... know if, does Clerks count? In... Clerks count. Okay, Clerks yeah, count. I've seen Clerks, yeah. Yes, yeah. Along those lines are like what I'm into right now. But in the early days, it was way more like spectacle and flash. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Um, and I think you can see that in my work over time too because now I kind of just do whatever with it. Um yeah there's something i was going to say earlier um then i'll just circle back to really quickly mm-hmm. uh you were talking you so you're making you're talking about making a feature now yeah and i think that's super cool um the reason we're turning subletter into a feature is mostly because our professor is kind of pushing us to do it because he thinks it's good and he's like oh you need to pursue this as a feature and the last time we met with him he told us we were like oh what if we like broke it into like a web series and he said that was a great idea but he also mentioned like if you make this a feature like no matter who you are, people will like take you way more seriously if it's a feature versus like a short film. Yeah. Um, it's like just already in like a new bar of like to compete with better things. And so that's super cool thinking about doing a feature. And he's 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 correct, right? I don't think a, a short film is any less should be any less value. I mean value. I agree. But, but it's just viewed as it's just how it is lesser in a different bracket. Like, right. And then that was one of those things where I was like, I think it's time to make that jump. I think it's, you know, David Lowry and make 17 films and hopefully one day be able to make the green Knight. Um, yeah. So uh, mm. what did you think of the green Knight? Did you like it? Loved it. You loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I get, I get why some people don't like it. Um, well, yeah, right up my alley. I really digged it. I think it was one of the best tellings of like a fantasy medieval story. Mm-hmm. Um, like faithfully almost like it just, left in all of the weird shit that like we don't understand that like they'd like make modern like corrections so we'd understand what this means you just left all of it in and i loved it (laughs) yeah i thought it was i thought it was really good i i really enjoyed it you had talked about how edgar wright and christopher nolan were your two inspirations in high school and 
One thing I've realized is every filmmaker goes, in the beginning at least, through a phase of wanting their dialogue to sound quippy like Tarantino and mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. deep as Nolan's. Why yeah. Do you, where, do you, where do you think that comes from? Ooh. I just think at first they're the most eye-catching and like flashy ones. Like obviously any Christopher Nolan film, it's like spectacle over everything else. I feel like the idea he'll come up with, he'll come up with the coolest idea, like the coolest idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the thing. And then the story's kind of attached later. I feel like a lot of times with Nolan, um, at least in more of the stuff he makes today. I, I uh, agree. Yeah, Tenet was Tarantino's like just as flashy and fun. Yeah. Um, and so I think immediately you're like, you watch those and you're like, oh, these are different. And mm-hmm. like they're immediately, you can tell and they're just entertaining the whole time normally too. So it's like, they're very easy to grab onto. Not that it's like bad or anything. I don't want to say like, if you're influenced by them versus who I'm influenced by, I'm like better or worse, you know? It's all like the same playing field. I just think right. a lot of people go through that phase early on. I think it's also because they're the main mainstream critically acclaimed directors. True, um, yeah. I think that's what's happened. And not to discount those two because they've both made pieces oh, of yeah. brilliant work. Um, but... You, I've I've gone down this rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure you've you've already you've already gone down this rabbit hole too of watching some like past couple of years. Ever since I watched uh, Space Odyssey and Pulp Fiction, those really just kind of mm-hmm. opened my mind. I've gotten to what my mom character characterizes as really weird movies. I remember the other day I was <laughs> I was going up and I was gonna go watch a movie and my my dog for some reason loves watching movies with me. You know, he doesn't watch yeah. them. He just comes up and sleeps in the in the in the room, but. I remember going to, I'm just like, oh, what movie are you watching? Because she wants to watch with me and spend time with me. And I was like, yeah, I'm watching the stop motion movie about a fox. And she was like, what? And then she came up. Right. And, yeah, she she came up and watched it. She, she liked Fantastic Mr. Fox. She seemed to really like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I've got, I think there's a value in just expanding your horizons in terms of what you're watching. And I know I just thought about this, but I know this is a pretty hot topic thing now about the whole MCU uh, craze and what people think of cinema. Isn't I think Roland Emmerich, the guy who directed beautiful films such as 2012 and Independence Day Resurgence. I was kidding by that, but um, but he had gone on to say like, oh, Marvel is ruining cinema and stuff like that. And I know a lot of this has been discussed, but I'm interested to know what your take on that is. Um, I would, my take really, I don't think there are any like better or worse than any other film. I don't think they're cinema. I agree with Martin Scorsese in that. I do think they're more like amusement park rides. I don't think there's anything wrong with that though. And I think, uh, like that's what's making the most money right now in film. So it's kind of like, oh, that's just the way it's going. Um, it's definitely different and more, I agree. I categorize it with a different kind of thing than traditional cinema. You know, mm. um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. Um, I definitely prefer more cinema than like the Marvel and MCU movies. Did you but ever, I still were you ever into those I movies? I still go see them. Okay. What? Were you ever into those movies? Like hardcore, hardcore fan? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, um, not like a hardcore fan. Like, I, I haven't seen like all of them. But, yo, I showed up for Infinity War. I showed up for Endgame. I cheered when Captain America picked up the hammer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because like, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's like. It brings out like a, like a ride. It's like it's great, <laughs> right? I and and that's my, my point on it is, it, and what what Scorsese was trying to say is, 
that there is this discrepancy now. If you look at all the films in theaters that are making a lot of money, I mean, you look at No Way Home. Uh, that movie, yeah. in my opinion, was a very fun film. And this might be, I guess, a hot take. I don't know. But I don't think it was a great movie. I don't think it was... Uh, I think it was decent. I think it was decent mm -hmm. at best. And when you have that kind of dominating the narrative and you don't have room for smaller films to shine now i can understand how that can be a little bit of a problem because those types of movies go straight to streaming no one they're not they're, yes. they're not going to theaters and i'd love to see for example when i saw uncut gems in theater in theaters Ooh. right um that was like one of the very first times where i thought to myself i don't watch these types of movies in theaters early 90s people were blaming spielberg also for the big budget film it, the, the argument really? yeah the I argument doesn't go away 30 years hmm. ago they were talking about indiana jones and jurassic park and same argument i don't think scorsese was roasting spielberg because they're they're buddies but yeah <laughs> it's 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 interesting to see that like that type of argument is persisting but yeah i can go on about that i'm interested to know what your fa favorite wes anderson movie is Ooh, it's a hard one he makes great movies um currently the one i think about the most is the french dispatch mm. i uh it's obviously the most recent and i think with every new movie he makes, he masters his art form does, more and yeah. more, like his own style. The French Dispatch is like the most self-indulgent thing ever. It is most unapologetically Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I kind of love that. I really love that. I, I'm like, he's just going to keep doing his thing. And like, I, I get why people are like, oh, it's more style over substance. But like, I thought it was really good. I, like I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I, I would say the French Dispatch, honestly, because I think it's his most, or I don't know. I, I do like the people who think like more like Rushmore or like mm. the earlier ones that are more story driven versus like just the absolute style. But yeah, no, I'd go see French Dispatch right now if I could again. Okay. Yeah. The, he, he did the whole, the whole, uh, every frame is a painting thing that comes that people talk about was Anderson. He really didn't mm -hmm. master that mm -hmm. with French Dispatch. And I remember seeing that and asking myself, how does he do it? And it's about what's in the background too. It's not just about centering someone, even though he's mm -hmm. he's big on symmetry. It's about the the background, what you're putting in the background, and yeah, it's very mechanical. Yeah, because everything is built, right? Isn't he? he a lot yeah, of it's like it's all, it, yeah, it's all like in camera trickery and things like that, and just all the movement is just very mechanical. Like I, I saw a video recently about like how people in in the French uh, the French Dispatch blink on like time with oh, like wow. a tempo like it's all like it's just a machine it's great it's beautiful is there anything else you want to say cast into the people to the people wow um let's see um i don't really think so i don't have any advice to give uh actually no <laughs> let's, let's build off that. i was going to ask you if you oh, could okay. give uh high schoolers advice about filmmaking getting into the the quote-unquote industry whatever whatever we're defining as the industry right because i think it's all perspective what would you give what advice would you give people who, who are getting into storytelling getting into storytelling i would just say like i don't know the biggest thing in like trying to become like a filmmaker or make more films is just to make films uh like you can literally do it alone if you want like just where you have like narration of you talking and then just like set up shots on a tripod of you walking around your room or doing anything you can really get a story out of anything um 
if you want to meet more people who are into it and your film in your your high school is like a film club join the film club if it doesn't have one start the film start club one. right um or like join if there's any video class your high school offers i know a lot of high schools don't offer that and we were incredibly lucky ours had a pseudo kind of like av production type class um but yeah it's really just about making movies um watch movies um I really didn't watch a lot of movies until like getting into college. I feel like there's so many people here who've seen like infinitely more movies than me, but like watching them, I've gained so much more influence from all these different areas. And uh, yeah, if you want to do it, do it really. Yeah, I I agree. I think a lot of the times, and I, I did this too, we all did this. We try and find and figure out what our style is. And what I tell people now is you won't know what your style is until you start. And you won't yeah, know what don't try and define the style. Like, yeah, yeah, don't don't try and find the style. Well, I feel like you and I could go on talking about movies for very, very, and everything about oh, filmmaking yeah. storytelling for a very long time. By the way, for those of you who, who don't know, um, we actually haven't communicated that much these, these past couple of years, I, I realize. Like, this we really like, haven't. I yeah. want to more. I know Ricardo's always like, oh, I'm going to a basketball game with Neil. I'm like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. if he's ever lives here dude he's never here he's never home anyway where what does he do what he goes he... to katie and hangs out with his girlfriend uh what is she, she has something that you and i don't have we, we could and do... that's ricardo and that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh dude he's still to this day i don't think he's mysterious he just doesn't communicate i just i'm like hey ricardo do you want to do this I thing and then he doesn't respond oh i love him too he doesn't respond and then at one point my roommate Raheem was like, maybe he just doesn't like want to hang out with you anymore. And I was like, <laughs> maybe, because this was during pandemic and stuff. And then September yeah. of last year, he just hits me up out of nowhere. No, he calls my roommate. He calls Raheem. He doesn't even call me. <laughs> he calls Raheem. And hey, he delivered this message. Yeah. He's like, hey, what are y'all doing right now? And then he comes over. We see him for a couple of, you know, minutes. hours, mi minutes, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. We see him for a couple of hours. He disappears. And then we don't know where he goes or what he does so but now we know he, he he's talking to his his girlfriend but okay well i hope this isn't the like the last time we we talk or yeah no we should we should definitely communicate more on a frequent basis i i, I think we should, I, agree. I think you and i both kind of went out into the ut campus figured it out really explored things and um that's no that's that's great but i also want to come to your premiere so let me know you will. You will be coming to my And I'll be there. Awesome. Thanks for doing this.